Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Power Up and Game. This is episode 48, and I am your host, Michael. I'm joined today, as always, with my main man, Taylor. Taylor, how's it going, buddy? Man, I'm doing pretty good. We're recording this a little bit later than usual. <laughs> a little but, bit. man, I'm excited. We have a jam-packed show today. And one story I think you're really going to love. Oh, I can't wait. So, let's go ahead and get into it. Here's what's on the docket for today. TMNT graphic novel The Last Ronin is getting turned into a video game. We'll talk about the latest gameplay for The Lord of the Rings Gollum. We'll share our reactions to Unreal Engine 5's new facial animation tech. Arcane has addressed the game's always online requirement. But for our main topic, Taylor, how about you go ahead and take it away? Don't mind if I do, Michael. And real quick, we want to say that you can find sources for all the topics we're going over today down in the description of this episode. We do that to give out proper credit, and if any listeners want to read further about the topics we cover. Also, it's important to note that you should always take any unofficial stories we cover with a grain of salt and treat them as unconfirmed reports slash rumors until they are officially said otherwise. And with that out of the way... Let's get into our main topic. Marvel Spider-Man 2 voice actor Tony Todd recently responded to someone on Twitter who was excited for more news about the game. In a now-deleted tweet, Todd may have potentially revealed the release window for the highly anticipated title. Previously, all we knew was the game was planning to release in fall 2023. Anyway, here's what Todd said, again, in the now-deleted tweet. Quote, Looks like September. Massive publicity coming in August. Commercials start dropping in August, so I'm told. Hold on to your... Then there's a pause. And hold your breath. Gonna be necessary. End quote. For those who don't know, Tony Todd is voicing Venom in Marvel's Spider-Man 2. The actor is probably best known, really for a lot of things, but uh, probably best known for his role in Candyman, that franchise, and The Rock which is a highly underrated movie. And for those who love CW's The Flash, or at least the first few seasons, Todd provided some incredible voice work as the fully suited up Zoom, who was the main antagonist of season two. I don't think this is surprising news, man, because again, Marvel Spider-Man 2 had already been pinned in for a 2023 release. Still, what are your thoughts on the story? Also, I know Todd initially said that massive publicity for the game was happening in August, but when do you think we will get a proper showcase for Marvel Spider-Man 2? Because I think that's the more interesting thing. Uh, Well, if they're going to do the massive push in August, I would think that around June or July is when like, some of the more teaser, teasers will start happening uh, as they start drawing people in, waiting for that big announcement. And who knows, it's, it'll probably, his, the thing with the big publicity is probably like a state of play kind of thing. So are you saying, sorry to interrupt you here, but are you, so are you saying like a two state of plays basically for Spider-Man? One is to show it off proper, and then another one in August. I would assume for other things that they got going on, and then as a, like you kind of mentioned here, like a one last push for, hey, Spider-Man's coming out next month kind of deal. Yeah, because, uh, you know, they're going to want to, of course, show off some other stuff, but they're definitely going to want to use the Spider-Man 2 as, as the big draw for that state of play. And, you know, Sony likes to tease their fans. Like, they don't like to announce state of play until, like, like, it's close. Um, so, yeah, I think that's one of the big things. If they are shooting for a September uh, release, a summertime of late July... I would say early, late July, early August for a state of play to uh, really get people hyped up and start pre-ordering for Spider-Man 2. I think that's a very logical guess, though, on your end. Uh, I do think there's going to be, just based on how video games get announced, I would probably predict something similar. Like something, because the thing is, Sony's not going to be at E3, right? Yeah, they're skipping that this year. Yeah. Uh, so I would say... My prediction would be announcing it, kind of what I said earlier, right? Announcing something in June, maybe you show off the gameplay there, and then you got something in August that is another state of play, another kind of thing. 
And then it's one last push to be like, hey, Marvel's Spider-Man comes out next month. Be ready for it. Uh, are you surprised that it would be coming out in September and not a little bit later in the year? Nah, I, th- I, think, they, I think Sony really wants to go for like that movie blockbuster kind of deal. Uh, and Spider-Man is a huge sell. So kind of having like the summer blockbuster video game makes sense. Because, you know, you don't have to worry about competing with, like, a, a Marvel movie or a Spider-Man movie. You know, that can be, like, you, this year's Spider-Man uh, uh, release for the summer for Sony. You know, they, they bet big on uh, Spider-Man with the movies and the and the, uh, and the video games. So, I actually, I think it's a good move to do it in the summer. Because, you know, summer feels like that superhero blockbuster. Uh, so, it would make sense to have it as a movie and as a game to have that blockbuster happen within the summer of August and September. Okay. So I never really thought of it as a holiday kind of release. You know, I never thought it was a winter release. So it always makes sense for it to be a summer release. Yeah. I'm also looking at GameSpot's article here and I never heard this, but uh, I'm just going to read a quote here. Spider-Man two has been compared to star Wars, the empire strikes back by Marvel games, vice president, creative Bill Roseman. Previously, he added that this title gets a little darker. The sequel was first unveiled back in 2021. So that's interesting too. I'm curious to see how dark this game's going to get. It's going to have Venom in it. It's going to have Kraven. I assume it's not going to be... The first game, especially towards the end, got pretty dark. But there was something... Even with the music, right? There was something just uplifting about it. Something a little inspirational. I think Miles Morales, I still need to play Miles Morales. I've been holding out until I got a PS5. Uh, but I've everything I've seen is very similar to that, so I'm curious to see how they bring down the tone a bit, then bring it a bit more serious, see what they do there. <laughs> so I'm not going to spoil anything for you, uh, but, yeah, it they, they don't pull any punch for that either. It does start okay. off as, like, Oh man, there's so much hope, and by the end, you're like, yeah, so it does similar. To the yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, like, oh man, that got dark fast. Yeah, so. it's like, yeah, by the end, you're like, yeah, man, being Spider Man kind of sucks. Yeah, I, I, dude, I just, I'm so excited for this because we haven't seen anything yet, and that is somehow working to Sony's benefit. <laughs> it's it's kind of the opposite <laughs> of Starfield in a way to where with Xbox I'm like okay we got that one gameplay showcase or that one showing what about a year ago I want to say for Starfield and I, don't know, to be honest. I know it, it feels so long ago and we're not going to get another gameplay showcase until June meanwhile Marvel Spider-Man 2 we're just sitting here like man I don't even know what they could show, but it really doesn't matter because it's going to be awesome and we're just so hyped for it. So by the time they end up showing anything remotely important about the game, that's not like a CGI trailer. The hype's going to be through the roof because it's going to be probably June or July or maybe a little bit earlier. Who fucking knows? But even then, like we're getting so close to a potential release window that it's working out perfectly for Sony. Where they can kind of just own the end of the year hype. I mean, yeah, that's what, and I think that's what they're planning on. They're, they're planning on this to be their big thing. So, you know, because they know they like, don't have to market it throughout the next two or three years. They can just sit here and go, or the last two or three years, they can just sit on the property and go, hey, it's Spider Man. Like, we don't have to no, do I mean, anything not, here. Just, yeah, not, 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 only, not only is it Spider Man, but it's a Somniac. So it's like our and fans. after the first game, and then after Miles Morales, and both characters and both games being so widely regarded as great games and selling really well. To yeah, my knowledge, I think least, Miles Morales did really well as well. Uh, no, they both but, did. Yeah, they both did well. And not to mention, uh, the current release on PC got people outside of PlayStation kind of excited yeah. too. So yeah, so they can just sit on it. They can just sit on this and be like, "All right, when's the last possible moment we can?" Start the promotion for it. That's the thing. They don't even have to do that. It's because they don't have to push it so early that they don't have to mm-hmm. worry about oversaturating people with information. Like, they can play it smart and be a, a little slower with the info because people are already excited about it because we want to see more. We're still talking about it. And all we saw was 
one teaser trailer that showed absolutely no gameplay, and we're thinking like, oh my gosh, it's gonna be co-op, like, <laughs> you, and like yeah. gonna, it's gonna be Venom, and you heard the voiceover of Craven, and then you saw a little bit of Venom, and that was it. Yeah, and like that's enough to have people talk and yeah. keep people talking. And it's like, yeah, Sony has a perfect storm going on over here. So for them to have a late big push makes sense because people are already going to be talking about Spider-Man. People have been talking about Spider-Man 2 since that trailer release. So, you know, it, so like, it, it stays on people's mind because the game was the first game uh, was just that good. And Miles Morales was just that fun and that we're still talking about it without Exomniac and Sony having to do a whole lot of anything. And I wouldn't be surprised if this now deleted tweet was kind of a planned thing to uh, kind of tease people to keep talking about Spider-Man 2. Because I don't think it was planned. Well, I'm saying I wouldn't be surprised if it was. Yeah, I don't think it was planned or anything to where it's like, hey, why don't we intentionally leak some stuff out? Tony Todd, why don't you do it? But I don't think Insomniac and Sony are mad at it. I think yeah, it's no, one of those things not. that you're like, hey, can you get, can you just delete that tweet? No, you're good. Just delete the tweet. Yeah, I mean, look, there's a reason. And I say, and the reason I say I wouldn't be surprised to delete is because for a lot of companies, they don't really tell the voice actors or their agents a whole lot of information for a reason. And I, Do you I, think I, that's I the case for Tony Todd, though? Who's Yes, absolutely, yes. What, 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 here's, here's the thing. I've spoken to a lot of voice actors. You know, I've interviewed a lot of them. I've met a lot of them. Uh, some that's starting up, or some that's been in the game for a long time. And they all pretty much tell me the same thing. They get almost no information on the project that they're doing until it's time for the marketing push. That like when like when 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 voice actors find out that they're playing Spider-Man or Venom, you know, they, they the uh companies use uh uh code names and stuff like Instead of Peter Parker, you're probably playing scrawny teenager, you know, and they leave out certain names and words to not give the actor any hints. And they purposely mislead uh, what the character is until they get into the recording booth. And even then, you know, the NDA and all that. Uh, so I don't think they would tell any of their actors like, oh, here's when we're going to do a release date. Here's when we're going to do a press push. They will probably wait until... They're ready to announce the press push to tell the actors and their agents what's going on. And that's, of course, to keep secrecy. So for him, for, for so for Todd to know that there's going to be a big push so for months away, back in uh, all the way to August with a potential push in September. Come on. The, the guy who's playing Venom. No, Sony or somebody, somebody told him that to get the ball rolling, to have people talking, to have people uh, come up with rumors, you know, it's, it's part of a, a guerrilla marketing kind of thing. But that's, of course, me just, you know, logical guess and making assumptions. Yeah, we need to get a tinfoil hat. No, no, there's no tinfoil hat. One of us has a crazy theory, though, because, I, you know, would you be willing to wear a metaphorical tinfoil hat and commit to this? I, I would. I will I will put it down right here, right now. You can quote me, you can mark this episode, you know, you 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 can you can tweet it or whatever. I think somebody let him know to and I'm doing air quotes here, leak the information so that way get people talking a little, get them excited, because you and I are already talking about, oh, this is when we can have a, an, another state of play. This is when we're gonna have where we're gonna see marketing, this is where we're gonna see uh, 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 Sony uh, releasing another AAA banger because they're skipping E3, so they need something to start rumors. Because around E3 time is when people are like, "Oh, we're going to see Spider-Man two. We're going to see this." And since they're skipping, they need something to get people kind of chatting about it. And I think you're kind of convincing me here. <laughs> I hate to say <laughs> it because I'm like, "Damn, he's making a lot of good points." You know, this is getting the hype back up. And in a few months, they could show it off. And then that way, again, that could be in the media cycle here every few yeah. months leading up to release at the end yeah, of the year. And, 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 and you said it yourself that they can sit on it. They don't have to make a big yeah. push. And hey, you know, what was a great way of doing it than a quote-unquote leak? See, the first Spider-Man they had to. They had to show oh, no, yeah. it because it's a new developer working on it. They're coming off of all the movie tie-in Spider-Man games that are coming off of the heels of the highly successful Batman Arkham franchise. 
So yep, insomnia, as highly respected as they are, they just what you said. They have a lot to prove. So you had to do what they did with that game. Miles Morales, I think to an extent you did too, because you're doing the spinoff, and you're basically trying to give players something to hold them over until the next mainline installment. Spider-Man Two, no, don't think you do. You can just yeah. throw, just like we've been saying already, just sit on it until you absolutely have to start a marketing campaign and then show off the gameplay, show off some of the new features. God, I, there needs I there needs to be a co-op in some kind of sense. <laughs> it's sitting right there. I'm not saying the whole game needs to be co-op. I'm not saying half the game. I'm saying some kind of co-op aspect. I mean, does it? I think it does. It is perfectly set up for it. Does it, though? I think it does. Here you tell me you would not want to swing around New York City with two Spider-Men, with one of your friends playing as the other, and you're just stopping criminals. That sounds freaking awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm not convinced. But, hey, you know, that's what the state of play can be for, you know, to convince someone like me. So, hey, you know, it could be the thing. Yeah, but I think regardless, a lot of people seem very excited about Marvel Spider-Man 2. You know what I'm excited for? What's that? Well, we got cooking up over at TNS Network. So, coming up, we will be launching not one, not two, but three new podcasts at TNS Network. The first of which is a dedicated podcast for Clash of the Stash, our competition series where we at TNS Network and other awesome content creators debate over various nerd culture topics. New episodes of Clash of the Stash will be posted on the first and last Friday of each month. Along with Clash of the Stash, we will be dropping the first official episode, keyword being official, of Nerds Talk Movie News. This is going to be a movie-slash-TV news-centric show, not unlike what we're doing right now with Power Up and Game. We'll be talking about all sorts of news, rumors, and reports regarding Marvel, DC, Star Wars, and more. You can expect new episodes of Nerds Talk Movie News soon. But whenever we air our first official episode, new episodes of Nerds Talk Movie News will be dropping every week afterward on Tuesday nights. Lastly, Tristan and Drew from Nerds Talk Movies are massive comic nerds, and in my opinion, I think they are incredible comic experts. They have a just vast knowledge of all sorts of characters in Marvel and DC, especially DC. So, they wanted to create a new show dedicated to comics. Here's the description they provided to me. Quote, Join us for Longbox Hunters, a podcast where two longtime friends and lifelong nerds talk about all things comics. Each episode, or issue, will cover what they've been reading recently before moving on to whatever that edition's topic may be, with plenty of room for discussion, discourse, and even the occasional special guest to keep things fresh. From story arc analysis to character history deep dives and debates over widely contested comic book plot points and hot topics, Tristan and Drew cover everything in between, all while bringing their trademark wit and enthusiasm that listeners of Nerdstock Movies know and love. And quote. Longbox Hunters won't be a weekly show, and we don't have any further info to share beyond that. But Tristan and Drew have already recorded the first official episodes of that series, and we'll probably get one or two more episodes in the can before we start posting them. Michael, I'm kind of speaking for you here too, but we're pumped for all three of these new shows. Uh, this podcast isn't changing too much, but this is why our posting schedule just got switched up. We wanted to give, uh, we wanted to have content throughout the week. And give everyone enough time to get the podcast recorded, edited, and posted. Uh, before we move on, you got any thoughts on our three new podcasts coming out? You're going to be on Nerdstop Movie News. I'm very excited because I like the dynamic we have here. Yeah, I'm here to just ruin shows. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the dynamic that I was talking about. Uh, the dynamic I was talking about is 
I'm more of the movie and TV news expert compared to Michael, and he's more of the casual guy. So I feel like that's going to be pretty fun throughout these episodes, especially compared to Power Up and Game here, where both of us are kind of plugged in to the gaming news industry. So I feel like it'll give people who listen to this show a little bit of a different feel in that regard. So I'm very excited for that. Uh, Be on the lookout for all those shows. Very excited about it. And let's go ahead and get into our other stories of the week. A TMNT game based on the last Ronin graphic novel is in development. This comes from Polygon, who broke the news and interviewed Senior Vice President for Games and Emerging Media at Paramount Global, Doug Rosen. Ooh, side note, we gotta shorten these names, because that's unnecessary. (laughs) That is... Why? Why, people? Why do you do this? It doesn't make your job title seem more important. It just seems like you're making more things up. It seems like you're doing less work the more added to your name. It does. Uh, Anyways, back to the Polygon interview. Here's what they had to say, and I'm now reading from the article verbatim. Quote, A new, very different style of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game is currently in development. An adaptation of The Last Ronin, the 2020 graphic novel that told a grim, futuristic story about the Turtles. Like the comic, the last run-in video game adaptation will be a darker, more mature take on the typically colorful Ninja Turtles. According to Doug Rosen, Senior Vice President for Games and Emerging Media at Paramount Global. Damn it. Uh, <laughs> the rights holders yeah, yeah. for TMNT. In an interview with Polygon last week, Rosen likened the upcoming third-person action role-playing game to Sony's recent God of War titles and said it would be authentic to the story of the last Ronin arc, which is set in a future where only one of the turtles has survived. While other TMNT games, like last year's Shredder's Revenge, are typically about playing as all four turtles, and sometimes their allies, Splinter, April O'Neil, and Casey Jones, the last Ronin will be primarily a single-player game. I think they mean a single-player game totally. I don't know why it's worded like that. Uh, hopefully there's not going to be a lot of confusion around that. We'll see. Uh, but back to the article here, quote, Though Rosen uh, posited that other characters could be playable in flashback sequences, similar to how the comic series plays out, the primary action is said to center on the only survivor, surviving turtle. The identity of that lone remaining turtle was something of a mystery when the last Ronin comic series was announced. The arc story was built around a Ninja Turtle who wore a black mask and fought all four, fought with all four turtles' signature weapons. End quote. The turtle's identity was eventually revealed in the comic, but we're not going to spoil it here in case the game plans to make that a surprise. I'm, I doubt it will, but still. Later on in the article, it was said that the game's tar- target demographic would be geared towards older audiences. An unnamed studio is attached to the project, and the game is likely a few years off from being released. Michael, I'm confident in saying that neither of us predicted an announcement like this. I'm surprisingly excited about this one. How about you? Uh, I still have yet to read The Last Ronin myself, but I do find the concept very interesting. And I kind of wonder what direction they're really going to take this, uh, because you mentioned that while the comic does eventually say who the turtle was, I have a feeling that maybe the game, for the sake of length, will change up so much of the story or add stuff in that it might not even be the same as the comic. They might just do their own thing and just use the last Ronin uh, story as kind of like a, a stepping stone. Yeah, adaptation story. doesn't mean you have to do a one-for-one. One. Even yeah. something as great as The Last of Us on HBO change things from the game so and even some other things like you can't do a one-for-one Simon the Hedgehog game to a movie so the movie didn't do that it was still very successful for what it was so adapting this comic to a game doesn't have to be one-for-one but as long as it's not you know deviating too much from what people loved and keeping the core elements of what people loved about it i think it should be fine i do agree with you i do think it's gonna be i could see them doing a thing where you select what turtle you are 
Let your favorite turtle be the last Ronin. Yeah, I could see them doing that. I wouldn't want that to happen. I'd rather them just tell the story that they want to tell with whatever yeah. turtle ends up being the surviving one. But I could see them... We're still years off. We don't even know what studio is making this. But that just seems like... That always happens in games. Plus, it's an RPG that gets replayability. I mean, but... I don't know. This 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 is this is one of those things where we wouldn't really take up a whole lot of time because we don't know uh what they're going to try and do with it. But I would say that they would try to add in their own stuff. Probably kinda of like have a prequel kind of thing going on. Cause I know they said they want to make it like a like like the recent God of Wars. That's the most interesting thing to me. That's what made yeah. me go, All right, you have my attention now. <laughs> what the hell do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, I kind of get it because the last Ronin uses the weapons of all the turtles. Like, okay, I kind of get that. You can switch it up. But I don't know if I really want that from a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle game. You know, I, w- I, w- I would rather have something more like uh, something close to Sifu, I guess, to where the last Ronin does a lot of hand-to-hand combat, uh, but can still use some of their weapons in cool, interactive ways with the environment. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. Again, we don't know how they're actually going to pull this off. Uh, because when God of War was first announced and was shown the way it was, like, oh, this doesn't look like God of War. You know, it took a second and some adjustment to, like, okay, this kind of works. Uh, but it really seems like it, it could have benefited more from, like, an Arkham Asylum kind of deal or Arkham Knight. But, you know, hey, whatever. Uh, we won't. All we can think of is how. Kratos can be a turtle now. <laughs> I wasn't even thinking about the weapons aspect. I was thinking in just terms of like the tone of the story. And I'm like, okay, I'm intrigued. But you're making far more sense than I am. You're talking about the switching <laughs> of the weapons. I'm like, oh, that's probably what they mean. <laughs> that, makes, that makes so much more sense. But uh, <laughs> besides the point, here's my last question before we move on. Do you think... We would feel, I think both of us are on the same page. We're very intrigued. We want to see more. We want to see what studio is attached to this. We want to see what exactly this is going to be. Because it's interesting. Do you think our opinions would be vastly different if we did not get Shredder's Revenge last year? Uh, to be honest, no. Um, if this would have been announced before Shredder's Revenge, I think. Well, let's everybody... just say Shredder's Revenge, Revenge isn't existing. Here. Okay, if, Take if it doesn't exist, uh, I think a lot of people will be kind of concerned by it because like, oh man, it's been so long since we had a TMNT game, mm-hmm. it's a good one. It's like, I just want to, all the turtles, I, I want to play with my friends, you know, I want it to be that old school kind of coin-op deal. Uh, so yeah, with, with if it, if if Shred Revenge wasn't a thing yet and we got this instead... Uh, after TMNT, the animated show, I think people would be kind of iffy on this. They'd be like, ah, like, why can't we have all the turtles? Why do you have to make it God of War? Uh, but since we did get the turtles, like, okay, yeah, we can kind of spread this out and do different things. That's cool. I think Shredder's Revenge paved the way for this kind of game to potentially succeed. And what I mean by that is because Shredder's Revenge is that nostalgic co-op, playing with your friends... TMNT fun that we love so much as kids playing in the arcades. I think it opened the door for this new, like, all right, we're going to tell a dark story about the turtles here. And one of them's going to survive. The other three are going to be dead. And it's like, oh, man, that's very dark and depressing. If Shredder's Revenge didn't exist, I don't think you can make that game and people will be pumped for it. I don't know what the reception has been. I'm just saying in terms of both of us here, I would not have been pumped. I'd have been like, man, can we just get a normal TMNT game, please? Yeah. But now that we got Shredder's Revenge, I'm sitting here going like, you know what? Go ahead. Go ahead. How is this going to be like God of War? I am very intrigued. Yeah, because uh, Shredder's Revenge definitely got people like ourselves hyped up and interested in getting like, oh, you can make a good Turtles game. Okay, that's awesome. And with this, you're like... Oh, God of War is pretty good. And, you know, I could always just go back and play Shred's Revenge. So, yeah, I can, I, I'm okay with, uh, with, a new, with a new take video game-wise for the Turtles. Uh, but then again, you know, if this came out 
before Shred's Revenge, like if this was announced before, I would have been like, well, I better read the comic because I got to see what the big deal is. Yeah, I wonder how this is going to do for the comic sales whenever this game picks up more traction and gets along in development. Oh, or people no. are going to... People- People are gonna go nuts. They're gonna mm-hmm. go out and they're gonna look for like right now. I'm looking up on Comicsology. The uh, the uh, the. Oh, it's the probably comic. already doing well. <laughs> Since I mean, it, is, it was it, yeah. I remember when it first happened, like how hyped people were for it because the idea of the turtles going back to their dark roots. Because for anybody who doesn't really know Teenage Mutant Turtles, uh, when it was first made. It was actually kind of like a parody of uh, comic book heroes and the uh, and the comic book code or whatever. It was just two guys, underground comics, uh, who made these mutated turtles. Who just who I think they even swore. I have I have the uh, the book the same way I had my uh, Legend of Zelda Chronicle book. I have one for Ninja Turtles too. Uh, the Shredder. The Shredder was actually in the first issue of the comics, and they killed him by blowing him up. Good so, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's how. The, yeah, that's how the turtles used to be. They 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 bled, they swore a little bit, and uh, the 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 character that we now know as Shredder, their adversary, uh, he was killed off in the first issue. It was brutal, man. I was like, damn. The tone shift is what it needed, though. But it is cool that it seems that the last Ronin went back to. What you're saying, the roots roots were there. It's kind of like a callback to that, to being like, you know what? We can tell these Elseworlds stories with the Ninja Turtles, too, that DC and Marvel love so much. We can do it, too. And I do think, getting back to the video game here, I think it could work, even in this single-player aspect. You're you're looking at the concept that was thrown out here, right? You're looking at, okay, a third-person RPG, and the wheel's starting to turn in your head of what can be done in this game the skills that you could use the all the weapons all that stuff you're like man this could really end up being a good game it really would just depend on the developer who are the developer who picks up the gameplay for it and then whoever ends up writing the story so yeah i mean this might be a really good game we'll see in a few years (laughs) in a few years yeah (laughs) Oh, man. All right. Let's go ahead and move on to our next story. So it's been announced that the Lord of the Rings Gollum is dropping on May 25th. The game, which has been delayed several times, will finally be available again this May on Xbox Series X slash S, Xbox One, PS4, PS5, and PC. It will also come to Nintendo Switch later this year. The Lord of the Rings Gollum is described as a story-driven RPG focusing on Gollum as he searches for his precious. We haven't talked about this game too much, but we now have a release date, and we can also talk about the story and gameplay footage that was shown off a few weeks ago. What are your thoughts on this game so far? Uh, I mean... We haven't really seen a whole lot for this game. And the last time we saw it, uh, people made fun of the way Golem looked because we're used to movie Golem. Uh, so, like, I don't know. I don't... And I, I'm not excited for this game because, one, I'm not really a Lord of the Rings fan. I didn't watch Power of the Rings. I didn't watch Hobbit. I didn't watch uh, the Peter Jackson uh, anthology, basically, because Hobbit was part of it. And I didn't read the books, and even though I've been very interested in reading them. You just named everything and said, I haven't played, I haven't <laughs> seen, I haven't read. Uh, I played the uh, Two Towers game back on PS2, which was freaking awesome. <laughs> so yeah, that's my knowledge of Lord of the Rings, the PS2 games that came with the uh, movies that were actually really good. Like it, was, it was like one of the early examples of good movie tie-in games. Oh, yeah. The Lord of the Rings Two Towers and Return of the King were freaking awesome. Man, they were amazing. And like, I think that's what got me interested in like, trying to watch Lord of the Rings. Because when I found out that crap was like three hours long. And I remind, mind you, I was younger back then. Like nowadays, I could do three, four hour movies. But um, I can't do one hour episodes. That's weird. But anyway, uh, back then, you know, I couldn't fathom sitting in a theater for three hours watching this shit. Now, yeah, I can watch it. Why I haven't watched it yet, I'm not sure. But, you know, I'm pretty sure I'll get around to it someday and be like, wow, 
No wonder people love this. But uh, as of now, my experience with Lord of the Rings was back from the PS2. I can't believe I'm about to be this guy. Because I'm not that big of a Lord of the Rings guy. But you should definitely watch the OG trilogy. <laughs> it's, it's not one of my favorite, but I know why it's a lot of people's favorites. It's probably one of the best trilogies in history of cinema. I'll say that. In terms of this game, yeah, I don't think it looks all that impressive. Hopefully, like we saw a little bit of gameplay. Golden just like slopping around. It's a game that I don't know. I'm not like shutting the door on it because it's unique enough to where your plan is gone. And I'm like, all right, cool. That's not the character I don't think anybody really wanted to play as. But let's see what you got here. But I haven't seen anything so far that's been like, oh, I got to spend some money and play this game. Right, yeah. Now, I have, it does seem like the visuals have gotten better. Because I remember seeing something months and months ago. And then I saw that uh, story and gameplay footage today. Because I hadn't seen it. I know it got dropped two weeks ago, that story trailer. But I just saw it for the first time today. And I was like, I'm not sure if it actually looks better. But it feels like it looks better. And I don't want to compare. Because <laughs> I don't want to be proven wrong. So nah, in my nah, mind, <laughs> it looks better. No, you got to go back and uh, look at those old trailers. And like now you got to do comparisons. Oh, man. I don't, I don't know if I can. But... <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's going to be your job now. Next week, we expect to hear about that. But uh, besides the point, I, I I do hope that there's something that comes out about this game that's worthwhile, that gets people on its side here. But so far, it's just, it's meh to me. Yeah, I think that's going to be a thing for everybody. This is going to be a tough sell. Yeah, that's what it feels like. That's probably the best way to describe it. It's a tough sell. I'm not saying no to it completely. Even as somebody who's not a huge Lord of the Rings fan. It's just one of those that you're like, I don't... Mm, is there anything else you could show me? Any more gameplay? Especially after uh, the last Lord of the Rings game we got with um with that Nemesis system. I forgot what it was called, though. Shadow of Mordor. Shadow of Mordor, yeah. Especially after that, she's like, I don't really want to play as Gollum. But at the same time, it is kind of interesting to have a uh, Lord of the Rings stealth game. So, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe... Maybe it could be fun. Ready to move on to our next story? Let's move on. Will Redfall's always online restriction be reversed? While speaking with Eurogamer, Redfall game director Harvey Smith talked about the game's always online restriction and how gamers reacted to the news. Here's what Smith had to say. Quote, There are two ways developers could react to that, right? They could say, Oh my god, you're always online. If you... Go on your Steam, and it's not online, you freak out. If you get on and on your Xbox and you can't get the latest patch, or you see what your friends are doing, you freak out. You want to be always online. But that response, I think, lacks empathy. There are people who live in places where there are outages, or their broadband is shitty, or they're competing with their family members because their mom's streaming a movie, or their brother's on another device. And so I think it's a legitimate critique, end quote. Smith continued, now talking about the other option, which seems to be the way Arcane is going about it. Quote, We do take it with a lot of empathy. We listen. And we have already started work to address this in the future. We have to do some things like encrypting your saved games and do a bunch of UI work to support it. And so we are looking into, I'm not supposed to promise anything, but we're looking into and working actively towards fixing that in the future, end quote. Smith went on to talk about why Redfall was designed to be always online, and from here I'll be uh, reading directly from the Eurogamer interview. Quote, there's no store in the game, and there's no microtransactions, Smith told me, preempting any suspicion the game was always online so it could simply always be ready to sell you more stuff. You could find costumes and things like that in the world. Those are yours. We do have a DLC planned. A couple of times we'll sell a bundle of stuff like guns, costumes, characters, you know, whatever. 
We're very excited about those things, but it'll just be like DLC that you buy through Xbox or whatever. And there's a bite back edition or of the base game where you get some of that stuff for free. We had that plan with Dishonored. We have that plan with every game we make. So why be online if you're not with other people? Smith said the game was designed that way to better help Arcane understand how people were playing it and when they got into the difficulty. It allows us to do some accessibility stuff, Smith said. It allows for telemetry, like if everybody's falling off of ladders and dying, holy shit, that shows up. And so we go and tweak the ladder code. There are reasons we set out to do that that are not insidious, end quote. Michael, you have been adamant about the online requirements being a horrible decision for Redfall and Arcane. And I feel like that's an understatement for me to say. Uh, so I have to ask you, do you have hope? Uh, I'm so disappointed that they designed Redfall from the ground up to have always online. Uh, I feel that's a mistake. I get that you want to do it so you can study players' uh, reactions and behavior. But, you know, many games, they have that. You know what they do? They give players the option to do that. Uh, for you to force it on your players is really dumb, in my opinion. And I'm glad that they're actually going back and taking a look uh, with Always Online. Yeah, I get it. You know, you have to change a lot of uh, your uh, coding uh, to support both offline and online. And, you know, UI changes because now you got to set up sections to where players can turn off always online or or players can choose uh, how they connect to the servers. So I get that. And, you know, bravo on you for actually taking the feedback from fans and fixing it. Uh, still a big fuck you for doing it in the first place because nobody wanted that. Nobody ever wants that. I still don't know why publishers, and I still believe it's publishers pushing this on developers. I don't know why publishers are still pushing always online. I, I kind of, I, I get where everybody is. I didn't have a strong opinion about this. I get where everybody had a lot of concerns and really took issue with this because just like it's mentioned here, Michael mentioned this weeks ago with Redfall, whenever that gameplay showcase came out and the whole always online stuff. And Michael, what you said is, you know, some people don't have great internet. Some people are in bad locations and the situations are situational and everything that is said here in this story as well. So it's good that Arcane has taken a look at it and really not only been like, hey, we're going to look into changing it, but also understanding why people feel that way. I agree. I do think that it was a dumb decision to begin with, especially with a game like Redfall. And the reasoning they gave, while not insidious and not like, hey, we wanted to squeeze out every penny from the gamer, I still don't think... Again, hindsight's twenty twenty. Hindsight's a bitch. It really is. Yeah. But... I still don't think that was a good decision anyways. Yeah. Because you know you're going to get flack for it. At least you think you would know. Maybe if I were in their position, I would not think that far ahead. Or maybe it would slip my mind and be like, you know what? We can get this data. We can figure out if we have any bugs we need to fix. All that stuff. But, man, nobody on the team came up to them and went like, hey, you know, when we announce it, it's going to be always online. We're going to get a lot of pushback. I was actually about to bring that up. I'm sure there were plenty of people on the team that had already pushed back on that. And was mm -hmm. like, yeah, that's not going to work. I think as far as I know, from doing as much research as I had about this, which was finding this story and seeing a few other articles, I haven't looked into it. I think some people got their hands on Redfall in a preview. Oh, yeah, based on a lot of these headlines I saw, again, I haven't looked into any of them. A lot of them seem to be pretty darn positive. So yeah, seen a lot of, this seen a seems lot of to be the biggest blemish on the game. So if Arcane can get this handled before it comes out, you're sitting pretty by the time this yeah. game comes out. Because that this for a, I, now I'm not going like oh this game's gonna be a ten out of ten, but I do think if you get this handled, you get it out the door, take away the always online. You take away a controversy. 
that you're going to have with your game. And people are going to talk about it in reviews, and people are going to talk about like, yeah, it's great, but... And you don't want that with your game. You don't want to... Yeah, it's great, but... In there. So, if the quicker they can get this handled, hopefully they can get it taken out, the better for everybody. That way people can focus on the game itself and how great it potentially is. Yeah. Ready to move on to our next story? Yes, let's get into it. We got a new look at Hellblade 2 and Unreal Engine 5. Unreal Engine 5 has been widely praised ever since its announcement. This next story probably isn't going to change that. At GDC 2023, Epic Games shared a brief look at Ninja Theory's Hellblade 2. This footage showed off the new metahuman facial animation technology. There's also another video going through the process of how the performance is captured, and we'll leave a link to that video as well. I don't think it's absolutely perfect yet. There's still something that just feels a little bit off about the metahuman animation tech, but regardless, this was an amazing demo. For starters, even with me saying that it still looks incredible, and it also shows off how far visuals have come since the old days, I'm wondering, Taylor, what's your take on all of this? I do think it looks a little off, just to get the uncanny valleyness out of the way here. There still is just something that's a little bit off about it, but I think that's because of how great it looks. That sounds like an oxymoron. I know. But it's, it's, it sounds like the same thing we say about uh, 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 Forza Horizon and Forza Motorsport with uh, Playground Games and Turn 10. It's like, you guys are so good at it. It's just like, what? It's just a little off in the sense that I feel like the next update they had to this is going to be seamless. Yeah. After after the uh, tech demo with the the Matrix, seeing it actually being applied to a game that's actually been in development is something else. And I think the reason uh, that we feel it's a little off is because... It's the way they portray the animation. Uh, we saw the, the actress herself uh, being recorded and using real-time uh, rendering. And I think it's because they exaggerate the facial movement. I don't know what that's all about. I don't know why they do it. I think it's also they, to just show the... The range? Yeah, the range of it. Yeah, and I think this makes it look so off, though. Because like the whole demo was uh, over-exaggerating facial expression. It's like, yeah, it looks cool. But, like, does anybody really talk like that to where their face is moving all around and they're squishing everything? And it's just like, I, I get it, you want to show it off, but... Yeah, I think it might just be the range. That might be Yeah. It. But other yeah. than that, like, I don't mean to, like, focus on the negative of it, but the other part of it, man, this looks absolutely incredible. Like, gaming in the future with Unreal Engine 5 is going to be... Pardon my pun here, but Unreal. No, it's, it's definitely going to be a game changer. Because look at Fortnite. Have you seen what they've done with Unreal Engine and Fortnite? No, what they do? Oh, my goodness, Taylor. Oh, man, I wish, I wish we were able to do this before we started recording. People are putting other games into Fortnite. They're, they uh, Somebody put in Rust from Call of Duty in Fortnite. Somebody made pretty much a co-op story-driven, like, post-apocalyptic robots taking over the world kind of thing in Fortnite. Someone made like a cyberpunk uh, uh, cars flying through the air. And as the player, uh, you use uh, a grapple hook to swing between cars. Yeah, swing between cars while also shooting bad guys. And it's just so crazy, like how creative people are getting with this engine and Fortnite's uh, creative mode to where it's like, I thought people were just making stuff up like it was a fake. But no, you know, I, I looked into it and people are actually using Unreal Engine and the uh, and the Fortnite creative mode to pretty much recreate their favorite moments in video games and their favorite levels into Fortnite. And it is so crazy good looking that I'm just like, this looks like a cutscene. Like this looks like something that somebody would like make to like man, would it be cool if we had a game like this or if Fortnite did this or if Halo like this? And it's just, it's, it's it, back then you and I would have been like, oh, that's a cool fake. That's pretty awesome. That's a cool pre-render. But now it's playable. And you're just like, 
my God, this engine is quite literally a game changer. And it it, it can actually make people a little more interested in Fortnite. And I know that's a weird thing to say, but even I've gotten back into Fortnite. And I'm just like, man, this is this is this is bonkers. This is amazing. I can't wait to see what indie devs do with this engine. That's what I was gonna get to. Do you think this is gonna have a positive impact? And I, I think it will. I think it's gonna have a tremendous impact on more people getting into gaming and more specifically developing games. Oh, absolutely. If 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 the, if this engine and Unity uh can make things easier for developers then yeah i think it's really gonna get more people involved in there because there's now uh plugins for um for unreal that you can use to help with coding if you're not good with coding there are plugins that can help you with that there are plugins for audio there are plugins for ai so like there are so much things to where you can become a singular developer or you got to be a real small team of five or ten developers and everybody using their expertise in certain areas that I do think this 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 engine alone it was gonna get more people involved in game development. Yeah, I'm completely with you. I think this is going to be absolutely insane. This meta human facial technology, man, it just I was like you said you, you brought up the with developers and now this the facial animation tech. Did you see what they were doing with the iPhone? No, uh you're talking with about the, the video with, with the facial, yeah, the facial recording yeah. with, with just the iPhone, or you can just do Man, that on iPhone too. Yeah, you don't have to buy expensive equipment or go out and rent out an, an expensive studio. Now everybody can just use their phone to make facials for the big facial recognition. That's that, that's crazy. Yeah, man. No, I'm sorry, I, I interrupted you. Go ahead. No, you're good. I, I just. I think this is going to have a great impact on bringing new developers into the gaming industry. I really do. And this metahuman technology here, I don't, again, I don't think it's 100% perfect. But I'll be damn, it looks very close to it. I mean, Hellblade 2 is going to look incredible. There's so many games that are going to be using Unreal Engine 5. And right now, the way Unreal Engine 5 looks and everything we've seen about it, if there's a game that's going to be running on that, I'm automatically interested. But uh, let's go ahead and talk about what we're working on and where can people find us. Michael, what you're working on? Where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at M underscore M-O-S-L-E-Y underscore J-R. You can also find me on Twitch at Fox Daddy, that's F zero X D A D D Y. How about you, Taylor? What are you working on, and where can we find you? Not working on a whole lot here, other than these podcasts. As I mentioned earlier, we got Clash of Stash. We got all these other podcasts coming out on Wednesday. We're gonna have our spoiler talk for The Last of Us season one. Me and Tristan had an episode. It was a lot of fun getting into the season. That was very depressing. But damn, what a video game adaptation. Uh, regardless, be on the lookout for our spoiler talk on The Last of Us. Be on the lookout for all the other podcasts we're going to be having coming up on TNS Network. And as for where you can find us, you can find us in our disc Discord, the link for which is in the description of this episode. Moving on here, one last note. We won't have a new show next week due to some personal commitments. In the meantime, we'll still have Nerds Top Movies and the first episode of Clash of the Stash Season 1. But as for this show, we'll be back on April 10th. Until then, be sure to stay safe and take care. <laughs>